Blog Talk Radio. There's a technical glitch with Blog Talk Radio where, since they have some new sound quality, um, that they are now uh, fixing something that automatically turned the mute button on. So I'm just going to let her know that we're on the air and we'll start right now. Good evening. It's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2015. Guys, Guys Radio. Our special guest is Ingrid Martin. Um, she's got a book called The Ungame, a show-and-tell tool for coaches, managers, and will-do teams. Um, my background, uh, uh, let's bring her out right now. So Ingrid is a conviction. Her conviction is learning, should be fun and lifelong, taken from her native Germany to academia, to North America. She recognized expertise, adult learning, archetypal psychology, language and leadership development, in the book, The Ungame, Foreplay to Business as Unusual, you seek to empower your readers and accomplish their professional goals with clarity, focus, and ease. So thank you for being our guest. I apologize for some issues uh, from Blog Talk Radio, but it looks like we've got that solved. And again, I'll have my producer uh, wipe the first half hour of the show, and we'll start with this discussion now. So as I had said earlier that nobody heard, apparently, um, my background's business, uh, Ingrid, and welcome to the show, um, business and marketing and advertising. And I've always found uh, working in different types of organizations, whether on the client side or the agency side, that uh, business is more and more about just getting the job done and feeding the bottom line. So I've worked in organizations where it's vertical, and I've worked in some where it's more communal in terms of uh, you know teamwork. I've actually found that the vertical systems work a lot better because people, a lot of times, workers need to know what's expected of them, what to do, and to get the job done. And I uh, was at a big one big organization where I remember I was, there was 100 people at the first kickoff meeting and only two people spoke, and then we never met on the topic again. And it seemed like when you get in these team with, when, when you're working in teams, it's really tough to get things done. But that's just my experience. Now, your book, it reads like a novel. It's about this guy, Sam Adler, who is working at this company, L4, and he's trying to uh, really kind of uh, make his mark. He's a young manager. So talk to us about what your motivation, your background, your motivation for writing this book, The End Game. Uh, the Young Game, uh, yes. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say that uh, The Young Game is also about, uh, uh, you know, dealing with breakdowns such as uh, you had some technical difficulties and uh, right. you could get all bent shape and so forth and so on, or uh, you could recognize that that's just uh, part of uh, the process and, and you can move to Plan B and Plan C and Obviously, you were ready for it, and uh, so congratulations, right, to both of us for, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for Thank continuing you for to be here with some clarity and, and focus. So um, now, in terms of uh, having written the book, uh, my answer changes depending on, on the day, but what really uh, I come back to is that um, uh, there is much more 
uh, to people and uh, people's ability uh, than meets the eye. Uh, people are much more capable uh, than they think they are, uh, and uh, their capability gets compromised out of uh, not seeing things clearly. Uh, when things are indistinct, uh, they're not clear, and you can't act on that which you don't see. So um, I, I knew from experience that uh, all of us, uh, yours truly and you included and everybody, that we have blind spots and that uh, uh, once we see them, uh, then uh, we are much more capable in taking effective action on behalf of those things that uh, are important to us. And um, uh, I experienced uh, over the years uh, the processes that, uh, that would help uh, develop uh, the tools uh, that uh, have us get uh, clearer and have us get in, in touch with those blind spots that we don't have any power about. So the ungame is about surfacing that which we are unaware of that is nevertheless uh, holding us uh, oftentimes hostage, if you will, and having us act in ways that uh, that don't work very well, including what you mentioned you know, uh, tough to get things done in teams. Well, what are teams not seeing, the seeing of which would empower them uh, to get things uh, uh, done? And uh, really, you know, um, um, two heads are better than one, and the power of the group is enormous when you can really harness it. So, yeah. That's true. It, it is. It, I think the challenge is... Uh and I could go all night on this, is harnessing it because I've had multiple situations where working in teams was turned into a lot of, uh, and I don't think it's, it's about just the, the concept of working as a team. I agree with you. If you can get a team galvanized and fixed on one goal, uh, on the goal, and that really gets stuff done, that could be a lot more powerful than, than individuals. However, there's a lot of politics. Believe me, from being, I worked on the marketing side, on the client side, uh, and then on the agency side, and the agency side, you're always working in teams, but there's so much politics because you're not making the product you're making is a creative product. So it's like, well, who's in charge of that? Is it the account director who has the direct line of communication with the client? Is it the creatives who's coming up with the ideas? Is it the strategy person who's coming up with the strategy that everybody follows? Is it the media people who will be spending the money when once the ad is produced? Is it the producer who's doing the production, working with the outside companies? So there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes on there. But it's, I've usually personally found that it's easier, you know, uh, top-down uh, vertical situation versus a team situation. And I'm wondering, um, then we'll get into the book, um, What, when you do develop this book, what was your take in terms of where we are right now uh, in the Western culture in terms of how our corporate structures were aligned and how it, how it uh, intersects with the ungame? Well, the corporate structure, there's a revolution going on. There's no, no doubt about that, but it's uneven. And the revolution is from a command and control model, which worked fine in the military, and it works fine, uh, you know, when uh, uh, in, in a different era. Uh, but... Um, the command and control model does not work very well, uh, you know, given 
uh, how people have come along, both with the incredible changes with the uh, technology and the internet, and 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 how people are growing up. It's a, you know just a flatter uh, culture. They're not hierarchical. Uh, there are different expectations of the younger people. Uh, so there is uh, a more collaborative model, and you know that's uh, a true in, in a lot of the most yes. creative organizations. And it's just that uh, this uh, command and control, uh, people hold on to that because they don't yet know how to actually um, do this uh, collaborative uh, model. So command and control is dead. It just isn't buried yet in a lot of places, uh, and and no wonder, because uh, people hold on to what they know, uh, and, uh, you know, what they don't know is just uh, uh, harder for them, uh, because they, got, they have to become a beginner again. And people, uh, especially people in power, are not good beginners. They, uh, they like uh, uh, the three most dangerous words in the English language, according to me. And those, those three words are, I already know. Now, they could change their brain and change their life if they came from, I don't know. But that makes them uh, a, a bit vulnerable, which is not one of those uh, qualities that we uh, support in, um, in business. And yet, uh, that's where, um, I don't know, is where a lot of really uh, good stuff comes from mm-hmm. you know just you know from personal experience and stuff and having 30 years of corporate experience on the client side and the agency side i have to say that i agree with you in that you know things are changing i think part of the you know the virtual office and the fact that there's so much technology and all of that is part of it and i think there's a lot of uh 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 speak about you know, the collaborative model and everybody working in teams and all of that. But ultimately, it's coming, the decisions and directions are coming from the top and this defeats shareholder value and they tell everybody, play nice in the sandbox, but you really, more than ever, I think the hierarchical model is there disguised as a collaborative model. I don't mean to be, you know, contrary to what you're saying, but I think the reality is, and this is why so many businesses are dysfunctional is that they behave they're still behaving the old-fashioned way yet they're telling their employees to behave a new way well i think that's brilliant that's a brilliant observation and uh the way you language that uh you know the uh, uh command and control disguised as a collaborative model and uh the other thing that you said was about shareholder value which really uh, uh, talks about the driver, and the driver uh, is uh, uh, profit. Uh, right. And that's the way that, uh, you know, it's designed with um, uh, the, the ordinary uh, corporation, and um, we are uh, only slowly, you know, and, and in the beginning when things are just uh, coming about, uh, all of that feels crazy to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what is happening, and someday it will not be crazy, and it will not be woo-woo uh, mm-hmm. or you know, new age, or it will not be uh, denigrated. 
uh, is uh, that uh, the collaborative model, you know, does depend on a different bottom line. It depends uh, for on on what might be uh, called the triple bottom line, namely where a company uh, is not uh, just pretending uh, to mm-hmm. be in a collaborative model, but actually is. So that the tri- the triple bottom line being uh, uh, people, uh, planet, profits, uh, and that uh, all decisions are made uh, with um, not harming people, not harming profits, not harming uh, planet, and that's actually incredibly revolutionary. And yet, there are companies that are that are doing it. The small ones are much mm-hmm. uh, more able to to do that, I think. And then there are some big ones. Interface Floor, uh, you know, Ray Anderson's uh, 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 company, he, he has since died, but, you know, he started that and, uh, and had a wonderful book called Mid-Course Correction in which he uh, shows that he's really serious about uh, this triple bottom line. And, and then there are other smaller businesses uh, that uh, that are looking at that, but you know it is probably uh, the wave of the future, uh, and um, you know where people get real. But in the beginning, you know uh, it all seems uh, crazy to the status quo. So I get it. Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, you know, I I believe in what your book uh, touts, and I think that's the way it should be. I'm just. My point is from personal experience, it's been, you know, there's, there's, there's some organizations that give lip service to this type of rethinking and unthinking, if you will, and uncovering, but they ultimately are driving decisions from the top down. So I hope there's more and more of what you're proposing. So let's talk a little bit about well, And I'm happy you're mentioning hmm? it. I'm happy that you're mentioning it, that, okay. that there is this uh, uh, disconnect uh, where some people just talk the talk but don't walk the walk. So, yeah. so I'm happy to hear it from you. You know, it's interesting also because uh, as a as an account person uh, from my background in advertising, even though I do my own personal creative stuff, I never was on a creative side in advertising. Yet I found uh, that uh, both dealing with creatives, they wanted a strategy, so they wanted a roadmap but they didn't want to be told this is the idea. So they wanted parameters. And also with other individuals who I found uh, reported into me, uh, both on the client side and the agency side, they they felt more comfortable. I I truly believe that people like not just, it's not necessarily being told what to do, but to understand what their expectations are. And I think they have to get, take like baby steps to be able to know that, hey, I can try this, I can try that, I can stub my toe without worrying about getting fired. And I think that's really good because otherwise when it's just top down pressing on people, eventually you get disgruntled employees and they leave and they don't blossom. Uh, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, uh, again, uh, I think you're right on the money uh, and there's research to prove this, so it's not only your particular perception and opinion. Uh, people do want parameters, and they they do want to know what the expectations are. They don't even uh, mind so much being told what to do, but here's where, where um, people will really, really, really balk, and rightfully so. They don't want to be told how to do it. 
And right. so if you want people to give their best and be creative, yeah, give them parameters. Be clear. Clarity is a source of power. Uh, but uh, don't tell them how to do it. When The moment that you tell them how to do it, you're micromanaging them mm-hmm. and you're uh, saying, uh, uh, you know, um, be the be like me. Well, they can only be like you, uh, <laughs> the second best you. They cannot be the first best you. They can be exactly. the first best themselves. So, um, you know, yeah, as a manager, you really, really, really want to stay away from telling them how to do it because you will just shut down their motivation and their creativity. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do then? And that, again, I'm not trying to throw a tricky thing at you, but let's say you're in an organization and a lot of organizations now, they have more and more formats in terms of how to do certain things. So how do you uh, implore your subordinates to spread their wings, if you will, when you're getting more top-down forms to fill out and this is the template we use for this and for that or whatever, how it's like it's a disconnect where on one hand, you're getting more and more press down from above, and then you're trying to give your subordinates and the junior people a chance to spread their wings and blossom. And it seems like it's it's very uh, contrary. Well, it is contrary, and it reminds me a lot of uh, the school system uh, where uh, you get more and more paperwork and so that it, it uh, uh, chokes you and it chokes the creativity. And the only thing I know uh, to do in that, quite frankly, is simply to tell the truth. It's mm-hmm. simply, uh, uh, you know, to say, um, well, this is, uh, these are the, this is the reality. This is the uh, what's so. Now, within these limits, uh, how can how can yeah. we do the best that we can do? But if you don't begin by telling the truth, then there's an elephant in the room. And mm-hmm. if, if frankly, um, you know, I would not want to work in a place like that. And I ha- uh, it, no. and thankfully, I don't have to. I'm working for myself <laughs> in in the model in the ungame. However, uh, I would, uh, you know, as an employee. Now, I know that not everybody uh, wants to take the risks because they want to protest, uh, protect their job. Uh, and, uh, uh, but there are some people like myself who are willing to speak up and who are willing to, um, quote, unquote, uh, lose the job, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you have people like uh, me in an organization, you want to utilize those people and you want uh you you know you want them to go ahead and and speak up and speak up for uh change uh, where it's possible because those people eventually will leave they will not uh be pressed into uh a a box where they can't breathe but mm-hmm. again you know, the thing that 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 if i'm if i'm managing those people uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and be truthful and share, you know, just how, how much this is uh, 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 bothering me, too. And, you know, um, if we're here, we're here, and, and we accept the facticity of life, you know. Uh, and, and let's not spend energy 
uh, railing against the facticity of life. Let's see what we can do within these parameters. And if we, um, uh, you know, don't uh, find anything satisfying to do over time, well, I would leave the job. Mm -hmm. Yep, I totally agree with you. Um, Let's talk about the book more now. You have uh, this gentleman, Sam Adler, and he works for his company, L4, and he thinks he's a good manager. He's kind of a young guy on the upswing, and then he gets put in front of a couple of people who are going to really kind of show him how he can really be, be uh, quote unquote, be a better manager. And he learns the uh, COSA system that you propose in this book, which is choose, observe, say, and then action. So three verbs and then the word action. Could you, for our listeners, kind of give an overview of kind of Sam's story and uh, and the basic fundamental building blocks of COSA? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, well, there are actually all four verbs. It's choose, observe, say yes, and act. Um, so um, the the overview of of what COSA is is what you're asking me about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So um, in the book, as as you know, uh, the reader discovers it bit by bit, which is important um, yep. and relevant, actually, to a situation, a work situation, um, in that uh, the reader uh, is motivated uh, to uncover each step uh, bit by bit, as opposed to being told what to do which is relevant in business or even with parents and uh, children or teachers and students is um, people don't want to be told what uh, told they want to experience they want to um, learn um, on their own so um, in in the book um, Sam um, uncovers uh, something important and and that is that he has actually four choice points, which is why the subtitle of the book is Four Play to Business is Unusual, play on word, mm-hmm. four, mm-hmm. the number four. Four yep. plays in the game of life, and, and the language is on purpose. You know, we're playing a game mostly as we interact in life. Uh, you know, we take ourselves too damn seriously, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and what if we could just take ourselves more lightly? Uh, so he, uh, on the playing field of life uh, and management, uh, uncovers four choices that he has, and he uncovers those through uh, the uh, coaching and mentoring of uh, a master coach and then three other um, managers. Um, the um, first step, he learns that he is not powerless. Uh, oftentimes, uh, he can choose, and um, this is a different kind of choice than than we're used to. Uh, it's a, uh, a choice, Robert, about um, who we are willing to be in any mm-hmm. given situation. Now that sounds a little odd, but because you know we just think, well, we we are what we are. We are who we are. We show up how we show up. Or we are uh, strategic in terms of, uh, you know, we, we plan how we're going to do things. But we generally do not choose how we are willing to be in a given situation. 
that choice seems unusual to us. Uh, And and the reason that that's unusual is that we think that um, we um, are how we feel. Uh, Now, we ought to control how we feel, so we don't want people necessarily to know how we feel, but we still think uh, we are what we feel and and mm-hmm. and and you know sometimes we make choices about doing that that aren't exactly in line with how we feel but right. uh, this has nothing to do with about feeling this choice that I'm talking about this choice is um who we're willing to be comes from a part of us that we n- never really talk about in in everyday life uh, but it's the best part of us it's uh uh, the part of us that wants to make a contribution. And I say uh, people who are in a workplace, if it's a good workplace, they really discover that um, it's more uh, about uh, making a contribution. Uh, it's not all about me, 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 me. It may mm-hmm. show up that way, especially when it's an unhappy situation. Uh, then we tend to um, say, well, let's see what I can get from me. Uh, so that I can bear this situation. But generally speaking, we want to make a contribution. And so who am I willing to be is about uh, qualities of being that are contributions, such as I'm willing to be courageous is a contribution. Uh, I'm willing to be truthful. That would be a contribution in the meeting. I'm willing to be clear. Huh, if I walk into a meeting and I say, hmm, not, not, not very much clarity here, and I've, I'm willing to be clear, well, what is it that, um, how can I demonstrate that in action uh, out of who I'm willing to be here? So it's a direction, and it is a choice that comes out of the contribution that I'm willing to make to the project, to the team, to my, um, my, my uh, superior, etc. And it's, uh, it's a kind of choosing that we generally don't speak about, and that is within our control, uh, we cannot guarantee that we will be truthful, that we will be courageous. Uh, all that we can guarantee is that we're willing to be that and then uh, look for how does that show up in my actions, you know, in that report that I'm writing, in that interaction that I'm having with somebody that, that I, I think is underperforming and so forth and so on. So it's very, very powerful kind of choosing, and it's unavailable to people who think that uh, they are their feelings. You know, the people who say, well, I'm hot-headed, or I'm this, I'm that. Mm -hmm. No, you have those kinds of uh, feelings, but um, you can also choose uh, to be different. So that's the choosing part. Uh, Do you want to say anything um, about that before I go into the others so that this is not such a monologue? No, no, no. Uh, uh, I want to give you a forum for this, uh, and I... I, I agree completely. I'm not. I'm. You know. I'm. I'm not here to challenge. I want you to get it out there so people can understand your point of view. So please keep keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, so then let's say that I have chosen, and I do this by the way. If I go into a, a, a coaching, oftentimes the first time that I coach someone, uh, I am. Um, you know, I feel. Uh, uh, I don't want to say nervous because that feels negative. Uh, I feel though alert and mm-hmm. uh, you know and 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 butterflies in my stomach. Um, and 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 I hope I never stop. I I like that. It's good. You know, I re- that means yep. I respect 
client and the process. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I do choose when, um, especially the first couple of times until we get into a groove, I choose who I, I, I'm willing to be, um, and and um, um, and then uh, that gives me that direction. Now, in um, in in this model that I described in the ungame, Sam uh, gets into a session with his coaches, and um, he wants answers, and you know he asks questions and hopes that he gets answers, and and um, uh, basically, they're um, asking him, the second, the O in COSA, they're asking him to observe. Now, we have a standard and customary interpretation of observe that, again, doesn't work here uh, in this process. We are not observing the outside. Uh, we are not ob observing uh, or we are not collapsing the definition of observing with analyzing. People oftentimes think, oh, you want me to analyze something. No, no, I do not. Uh, what he is being asked to do in this COSA model is he's being asked to observe, to observe in the here and now uh, the, uh, what he is thinking the thinking that he's bringing to the coaching session where, for example, he thinks he's got some difficult employees. He's, you know, he's upset with somebody who's going to the water cooler and not doing his job, according to, um, to Sam. And the coach asks him basically to observe his thinking around that issue. Not to analyze it, but... Um, to observe it so that he gets to see when he says, well, Joe or whoever is uh, over there, um, you know, uh, and he's not doing his job. And so the, the, uh, the coach is asking uh, him to be clear and to say, well, what's he doing that has you uh, make that interpretation? Well, and then... Uh, you know, Sam might be coming up with another interpretation. Well, he's just being kind of lazy. Well, um, what he's not seeing is that uh, his assessment of that the guy is lazy is not the fact, but it's an interpretation. Mm -hmm. And he gets to observe that. And, oh, my God, what are the real facts? Well, he's walking over to the water cooler um, and what uh, might it be useful to make a distinction between a fact and what you made the fact mean? So the observing is all of these thoughts that are, um, and, and, and the way that you've got it constructed about how life is or how it should be, uh, that is in fact holding you back. Because what if Joe isn't lazy at all? What if Joe is over there at the water cooler um, being very creative and getting some insight into how he should be dealing with that client that he's having trouble with? Mm -hmm. You see, if you think of him as lazy, you'll never, never uh, um, give him a chance uh, in your interaction with him. So in observing in the COSA process, we take apart the thinking 
that is self-limiting and that has you act in ways that are constrictive, uh, not expansive. And um, so he learns uh, to be clear or, and clearer through observation. So that, that would be what I would say is, is uh, in a nutshell, it's self-observation, not analysis, and it's uh, self-observation in, um, you know, right here, right now. Not about, you know, uh, way back when, which is totally uninteresting, uh, because uh, it's, it's your thinking now that's having you act in accordance with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want at. Uh, and that would be the O, so it's a special kind of observation. Okay, and now then we have to say it, right? Uh, yeah, well, we have to say yes. And this is also uh, another way of saying the word say yes, uh, but I, I purposefully didn't say it because immediately um, people will, their eyes will glaze over. Uh, it's a, it's, it's say yes to what? Uh, it's say yes to uh, what you've become aware of, which means there's a, a lesson that you're learning. If he is, is, is learning that, oh my God, he has thought that um, Joe is lazy as a fact, when in, when, when in fact he learns that it's an interpretation of his and that he could have other interpretations that would be more empowering of Joe's activities at the water cooler. And besides that, he could find out, couldn't he? He could inquire with Joe uh, about, uh, you know, what he's doing at the water cooler. He can share with him that he's concerned and, and he thinks maybe the job isn't, isn't being done. But, but, you know, he could be more open to a conversation. So, that's a lesson that he's become aware of. Well, saying yes to a lesson, uh, Robert, is a way of surrendering. It's a, and, and surrender is what has people's eyes glaze over. It's surrendering to what you've become aware of. It's saying yes to what you've become aware of. And that is very tough for people because... Um, mm, it's the healthy part of the ego, if, if I'm allowed to use a psychological term, which I generally stay away from, but it's the healthy part of yourself that has you be able to um, surrender and say yes. Because it's not the same thing as submit, you know, like I'm a doormat, you're going to step on me, I submit to that. No. Um, it's saying yes to a lesson and... Um, and, and, and that means that you are uh, giving up an old way of thinking. And that's hard for people. So it's the, it's the ultimate challenge. It's the most courageous act to actually say, oh, huh, I haven't been looking at it that way. I've been looking at Joe as being lazy. And I mm-hmm. see now that he might actually be uh, doing his very best to get input from other people on a on a problem that uh, he's trying to solve, and I never even saw that as a possibility. That is hard for people. It takes some courage. So it's yep. a special kind of saying yes. It's a special. It's a surrender of your former way of 
thinking, which uh, is very, very hard. So okay. that's the yes, say yes. And then the, the act, uh, if, if you remember from the book, Sam is kind of like, oh, well, duh, you mm-hmm. know, I already know everything there is about action. <laughs> I know how to set goals. I know how to, you know, uh, uh, set milestones. I know how to get tasks done. I know how to, to uh, delegate, blah, 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 blah. Well, the three most dangerous words of the English language, I already know. Well, the act in COSA is also, just as there is the, a different kind of choosing, a different kind of observing, a different kind of surrender or saying yes to, there's also a different kind of action. And in any coaching model, if it's not about action, then, um, then you failed to coach. Okay, no coaching occurs unless action takes place mm-hmm. on behalf of, of your goals and on, 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 on your intentions. So the action, though, is in direct correlation to what you have become aware of in the third step, in the surrender to the lesson, in the saying yes to the lesson. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's, um, it's uh, oh, um, I see that I have collapsed facts and interpretation, uh, Sam realizes from the coaching, and, uh, and, and, and now uh, I, uh, I want to challenge my former fact that uh, Joe is lazy and uh, so the action I'm going to take is I'm going to uh, call Joe in for a meeting and we are going to have um, uh, a talk about, um, uh, about his, uh, his performance and uh, being at the water cooler and, and what's going on and I'm going to be open and receptive uh, to what it is that I'm going to hear. I'm not going to bring my old interpretation into it. So the action that we're talking about in COSA is uh, an authentic action. Authentic action meaning that it's in line with what um, the lesson is, what you've become aware of. And you're going to go ahead and test that out. You're going to see uh, uh, if your new understanding here uh, or your 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 more complex understanding here, uh, or the clarity that you've gotten in making the distinction between fact and interpretation, if you can operationalize that in your conversation with Joe, well, so it's a very powerful action because you're learning something. And if you uh, actually, bottom line, the Ungame book. Uh, is about creating a learning environment in which uh, incredible, uh, productive, uh, and and generous and um, effective behavior uh, can occur. You know, okay. um, that's it. All right. Well, very good. Um, you mentioned just a couple more questions. You mentioned one of the hindrances for people uh, and employees to uh, making these positive strides in their 
unlearning, if you will, and being able to kind of uncover some of these things is the monkey chatter, the mental monkey chatter. And we all, we all have that. And it gets in, I mean, 80% of people's thoughts of the 50,000 thoughts you have a day, 80% of them are negative. So they say, um, what's your perspective on, and the importance and the importance of harnessing, if you will, uh, that monkey chatter for a manager. Well, that's a wonderful question. It's a, it's a great question. I think, I think it's uh, incredibly important, uh, not so much to, uh, well, harness may not be a bad word. Uh, let's, uh, let's just say it's incredibly important to, uh, to become aware of it, to surface it. Uh, we all have it, and uh, it serves a function. And, it, and uh, usually when we have this negative chatter, you know, we've got, we want to put positive thinking on top of it. And, uh, well, um, that might not be a good idea. Uh, that's sort of like putting perfume on a turd. It's still a turd, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you notice that you have it, uh, uh, first of all, in, in, in the coaching, we've identified about 20 symptoms that uh, are monkey mind. So it's very specific, and you can learn to recognize which ones are your favorite, and we all have them. Uh, so, uh, you know, for, <clears throat> for example, when we compare ourselves to someone, uh, usually we lose, you know, or even when we compare ourselves favorably, you know, at some point we know that we can compare ourselves and we lose. So that's a monkey mind symptom, but uh, there are very specific ones. And when we see them, we can we can um, do what I call corral the wild horses of the mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. You know, that's what coaching does. You, 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 you see them and you observe them. That's the O in the COSA. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and, and you break them uh, uh, down, uh, that is to say, they lead you to uh, the way that you've got uh, things wired. Uh, usually, as you said, 80% of those thoughts are negative. And if, we've, if, we, uh, if we surface that, then we've got choices. That's a, that is a moment of choice. And we constantly have moments of choice. And, you know, we can either go in a positive direction or a negative direction. We can either, you know, be a creator or a victim, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are very, very important to see. And in talking about it, it makes it a really big deal. In coaching, it's not, uh, you know, it's not so big, uh, but it's, it's hugely important. Uh, and um, it also tells you something um, name about you that is very positive. When you have these doubts and worries and these uh, this self-limiting chatter that we like to call monkey mind in this book, um, then uh, what it also says is that you you are up to something big. You are up to an opportunity. You're up to um, changing your standard and usual. It may the up to something big may be that uh, Sam goes and has this conversation with Joe uh, that he's never had before. You see, it's, it's, that's something big for him to do that. And right. um, out of that comes a change. So, yeah, it's very, very important to, uh, to corral those wild horses of the mind and to recognize that you are not your monkey mind. You have monkey mind. 
And that mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world because then yep. you can be the creator and challenger of that uh, creator in your uh, designing your life and challenging some of those uh, closely held beliefs that turn out to be self-limiting for you. Great. Um, one other thing I just I want to point out to my listeners and also get your take on this, and I think it's one of the most important aspects of the book, that the tenets that you talk about with the COSA process, it's it's not just about business. It's about relationships and it's about the day to day. You can use these in your day to day life. And I think it, it, you know, it, it, it allows you to get away from trying to, we're in a world where people feel they don't have any control. So they try to micromanage everything. And I think we all fall victim of that. And I think the COSA methodology helps people free other people around them to kind of do their thing their own way and helps in our in our day-to-day relationships with other people uh, by by being able to observe and uh, do all of the four tenets. So could you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, I just um, I just love that you picked up on that. Uh, the uh, because the truth is everything is personal, you yep. know, uh, it's all personal. I mean, I coach business executives and, and, and people who see themselves executives of their life who are not uh, business executives. Um, and uh, the business executives are not any different, uh, no matter where they are in their organization, they're not any different than anybody else, really. Uh, they're just lonelier often. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very personal, and, um, and relationships is, uh, y- you know, um, what we hunger for. We, we want more than anything else to be connected uh, to other people uh, and, and, and to the natural world. I mean, it's not just to other people, to sentient beings. We, we hunger for that. And, uh, and so... Uh, the COSA process, uh, like like none other for me, uh, has put uh, together uh, all of what I've ever learned in, in all the many years that I've been interested in relationships, in power, positive power, in uh, uh, achievement. It has put everything together. And so, um, you know... Uh, bringing it to your family, bringing it to your friends, and having your husband or wife say, um, you know, you're the most, you're the, um, I feel safer around you than around anyone, or mm-hmm. um, I love how you challenge me, <laughs> you know, and just having fun and enjoying yep. each other. My goodness, you know. Uh, we we ought to be able to do that, and and it's a very complex world, and people are 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 uh, you know are very very stressed and and challenged and unhappy with the uh, the state of the world and so forth and so on. So isn't it nice if you can have a haven in your relationships and in in your knowledge of how um, how you show up in the world that you feel satisfied with that. And I think that's possible for people. 
Great. Well, the name of the book is The Ungame, and our special guest on Guys Guys Radio this evening has been Ingrid Martin. So, Ingrid, where can they find uh, our listeners find out more about you? Where can they get the book, et cetera, et cetera? I know you've got a blog on your website, and you do a lot of personal coaching. Uh, tell us where people can find you. People can find me at IngridMartin.com. Uh, where when, once they get there, they'll they'll be able to go to theungamebook.com or um, yourleadersedge.com. You, uh, they can find the book on my website. They can find the book on Amazon. If if anybody wants to try this coaching model, uh, you know, coaching is like this. Uh, it's like a, an a, an expandable suitcase. There's always room for one more. So um, I would uh, love to hear from anyone who uh, would want to have a conversation for possibilities about coaching. And uh, at IngridMartin.com, it ought to get uh, people to where they want to go. Fantastic. Well, Ingrid, thank you so much for being our guest this evening, and thank you for your patience letting me kind of uh, wrestle my way through that first half hour. Uh, we'll, our producer will fix everything up, so we'll be promoting the episode both on uh, Guy's blog, blog Talk Radio and uh, iTunes. So we'll send you a link to that. So thanks so much for your being our honored guest, and everybody make sure you go out and check out this book, The Ungame by Ingrid Martin. Thanks, Ingrid. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Mine too. Okay, great. Okay, everybody, thanks for hanging in there. That's been our show this evening, a little longer than usual usual because we had some technical challenges, but we got through them. We were patient. We used the COSA, Ingrid's COSA method. We got through everything, and uh, here we are, ready for uh, to take on the rest of this week and uh, get into next week. So next week, we have a great show. Our guest is Sherry Doyen. Uh, she has a book called June Bug, and uh, she is a uh, an advocate for children. Uh, so that'll be something interesting and uh, expanding kind of the club, if you will, for Guys Guys Radio. So we're looking forward to that. And again, I hope you all have a great remainder of this week and a great weekend, and you, I hope you're enjoying the summer. And remember that better men, better world, and guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>